Yes, Amen. Jesus, increase guys. your anointing. I like that. These guys are awesome. If you haven't gotten a chance uh, to get to know our amazing pastors, you guys need to take some time. So I want to start to with two them. things that are kind yes. of not related to what we're doing, but are very important. God put two things on my heart. First of all, raise your hand if you have kids. Raise your hand if you have little kids with you here today. I felt like God just wanted to honor. There's kind of like just an expectation, you know, that you show up at church and you bring your kids and you're there. You try to be on time. But I just, it's so incredibly challenging and difficult to make it to church on Sunday when you have little kids. And I just want to, from the front, honor you for the effort you're making. Whether you're early for prayer, on time, five minutes late, or you're not here yet and you're not hearing this word because you're still trying to get here. (laughs) Right now, which there's a good chance some people are, it's just important that we recognize, like, that's such a blessing that you're investing into your family by sowing into bringing them in a place of, of worship and to get filled up and community and all that. That's so good. The other thing is, can we all just take a moment and look at this stage? Does, do you see how complicated this is? Like, do you see all these cords? A lot of churches, it's all hidden, so you can't see it. We have this glorious thing of, like, it's all out in the open. And I just want to honor the people who come here early, who show up at 645, 7, and, and literally put all this together than to take it back down. It's amazing, their hearts, and it's, it's such a powerful part of our expression of worship is the people who make it happen who are, aren't seen. So we just bless you guys. Okay. I'm good to go. So how many people were here last week? Okay. For our last week, we talked about connection keys. And we we went over um, the difference between tools and keys, which, let me get this thing. So keys are gifts that open doors that are otherwise locked. And tools for connection are what we are given to build with, build relationships with. So today we're actually going to go into, can we get really practical with you guys today? (laughs) We're going to give you some really practical tools um, to help us have healthy relationships with the people that mean the most in our lives. Um, These tools are going to be directed towards very close relationships. So I don't necessarily advise you to go into a stranger relationship on the street and, you know, offer up your heart and soul. But these are tools to help establish connection with between spouses, between families, even children um, and parents. Um, so, yeah, we just are really for healthy family. How many are here for healthy family? Like we want to see healthy family. And we want to see healthy family in our community. And we believe that healthy family transforms regions and areas and nations. So that's why we're here. (laughs) So last week, for those of you who weren't here, we started off by establishing kind of a cornerstone of relationship and a cornerstone of being in Jesus. And we went over the scripture of where Jesus goes to the disciples and he says, if you want to follow me, you got to carry your cross. And we talked about what does it mean to carry your cross because the disciples hadn't seen Jesus on the cross yet. And Holy Spirit worked on unpacking uh, this kind of revelation through us that Jesus came to restore relationship with the Father. What he carried 
was healthy relationship and restoration and reconciliation of relationship. So when he said, if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your cross, pick up the cross and carry it. The cross that he carried was the purpose of restoring right relationship. In the face of offense. In the face, yeah. There's, there was more to it than that, but just for a snapshot. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then today, there's two things I want to start with. Wait, I'm not going to start with, I'm not going there yet. Uh, there's two things I want to start with. One that I felt like Holy Spirit wanted to highlight is this is to empower you. So if you find yourself in the midst of this saying, this person I know really needs to hear this. Or if they would only just do this, it would fix what's going on between us. That is not what this is for. <laughs> this is for you because you are a powerful person. And you're learning how to walk in honor and in love. So everyone get that? Let that settle in you. This is to make you powerful in relationships. And the other thing is, is, is we're talking about keys and tools, but I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to emphasize another cornerstone of relationships, which is humility. And we talked about uh, the ground that intimacy grows out of is vulnerability. And I just feel like there's no more powerful uh, picture of doing right relationship like God than walking in humility. So as we go through these today, I want this, this idea, even that song we sang of Jesus washing our feet. He, it, says, uh, it says, because Jesus knew he came from the Father and the Father had given him all things. He walked in all authority and all power. He could do whatever he want. He deserves everyone to bow down to him. In that place, he chose to take up a bowl of water and a towel and to kneel down and wash the disciples' feet. And if we can get that, that will be the most impactful catalyst to doing healthy relationship and loving people right. So I just want that to permeate us as we continue. Yeah, so good. I forgot to tell you guys something. That we just want to announce to you all that we're pregnant. And, which I was going to do before he went into that really great thing. But... We are, I know that, I mean, a while back in October, or November, maybe it was, uh, we had all the kids prayed over us up here. We have, ex we experienced some miscarriages last year and, um, and we got pregnant right after that. I'm actually ha almost halfway through my pregnancy. So I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have been praying and to all of you who have joined with us on this journey and just let you all know that I'm not just getting fat. So... <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so connection tools. So I'm, I'm going to start with these connection tools. God highlighted three main things about tools uh, that's important to understand. And one is obviously tools. When you think of tools or you hear the word tools, you probably think of something you use to build. You know, when you're building a house, you've got to have the right tools in order to build it the way that it, the, the plans say to build it. If you don't have the right tools, no matter how hard you try, you won't be able to do it the way the plans designed it to be done. So this is that, that picture of tools. But God wanted to, to focus on some other aspects of tools when we're talking about relationships. And that is tools are instruments for healing. If you think of a, a surgeon, when he goes in to fix something, he uses tools, surgical tools. 
And I feel like Holy Spirit wants to emphasize that these things are powerful. And they're powerful for bringing life, but they're also powerful for damaging. So there's a sense of like the importance of letting Holy Spirit lead us in learning how to use these correctly to bring life and to bring health. Which very much goes back to this being for each of us individually. Yeah. So. And then the third one is that tools are for creating. Tools are, it's kind of like the surgical instruments or the surgical tools. Uh, tools are also instruments of praise. And for us to give God the glory that he deserves, we get to learn how to be empowered to use these tools to steward our relationships, to give him that glory. It's, it's a realm of worship that's unique and that's special and that's totally creative. Who here is creative? Everyone who's not raising your hand right now, I'm, I want to tell you something that's really neat. You're not going to believe this. You actually are creative. You're created in the creator's image. It may look different. It may be hiding or sleeping. But we're all creative. And how we do relationships is actually one of the avenues that we express our creativity of the Father. So, I guess this is my part. Uh, Holy Spirit spoke this really amazing thing to me, and I was walking with him. Last, last week, we, I told some stories about, like, process of overcoming pornography addiction and vulnerability and all this stuff. And, and God spoke this thing to me. He was speaking to me specifically towards men because I was crying out, and I was like, God, this pornography, this addiction thing is tearing apart families. And we have to see breakthrough. And, and he spoke this, this verse to me, and he said, the root of it is the heart. And, like, I'm just going to talk about men for a second, but it's easy for men to not have an issue until it's affecting something out here. You know, it's, it's hard on, I don't want my kids to see me like this. I don't want to hurt my wife. I don't want to have these issues that come from a certain action. And God just said, men don't know how to value their own heart and steward their own heart. And this verse that says, uh, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from her. Some translations say, all the issues of life come from it. And so we want to dial in and focus in that this is for empowering you and your heart. Because ultimately, you Doing right relationships out here, we talked about identity last week, comes out of a revelation of understanding the value of what's in here and what's in here to give. So good. So having a value for ourselves and having a value for those people around us is what motivates us to establish connection and to build healthy relationships. It's really hard to have the motivation to do that if you don't actually value who you are or people around you. But I think the, the thing that happens the most is that we don't value us. We choose that we're not important and we hold unforgiveness towards ourselves. And so that is a really good place to start for anyone that can start who's not, even, who's not in a you know, spousal relationship 
to start with just yourself. And so the first tool that we're going to give you guys is forgiveness. And unforgiveness is a stronghold that empowers these uh, things that we talked about yesterday or last week, the offense, shame, and fear. And allowing unforgiveness to be in our lives, one, it's it's not following Jesus <laughs> because Jesus, he, we are in the ministry of reconciliation following Jesus and we're also in the ministry of forgiveness. So choosing to hold on to unforgiveness, it empowers the lies in your life and empowers the, the demonic forces that would try and influence you to do, to be offended or be full of shame. It gives that power. But choosing forgiveness is stepping into following Jesus. And as believers as born again, that's what we're called into. We're called into forgiveness. And so this is really huge. This is like very foundational for our walk with the Lord and for our walk with people. And what I recognize is that when you do this, it's everyone, okay, close your eyes and think about who you need to forgive. And everyone's thinking, okay, who in my life do I need to forgive? Who in my life do I need to forgive? And everyone forgets about themselves. Nobody ever thinks about, oh, maybe I need to forgive myself for that thing that I'm holding over myself and letting Lord over me, and I actually need to be set free from it, and I need to forgive myself for the damage that I caused to myself. When I spent a a good significant portion of my life away from the church and away from God, and I was really on a journey of my own, and I did a lot of things to my body, to my soul, to my heart, that when I reconciled with the Lord and when he showed me who I am, I actually had to go through a process of asking myself forgiveness and forgiving myself for those things that I did and for things I did to other people and to set myself free from the shame or the fear or the things that are attached to that. So... um. Here's what I want to do. We're going to go through these tools, but we're actually going to kind of activate you in them as we do them. So I want everyone just to close your eyes for a minute. And I want, I want you to just say, Holy Spirit, just in your hearts, just Holy Spirit, would you show me if there's a person I need to forgive or if, there's, if I need to forgive myself for something? I'm just going to wait and let the Holy Spirit... speak to you about this. So I'm going to lead you guys through a, just a tool to use for this. It doesn't need to be verbatim like this, you know, but, um, but there's, there, this is just to help you, help give you the verbiage for what this can look like, okay? So The first step is to say, Father, I thank you for forgiving me for all of my sins. Because of your forgiveness, I also forgive. So right there, you're making an agreement with Jesus. You're saying, I'm choosing to step into the person of Jesus and and choose to forgive. So you guys can go through this in your hearts. Just keep your eyes closed. Unless you want to read it because it's coming up on the slide. (laughs) And then it said, the next step is, I forgive whoever this person is, or myself, I forgive myself for the lies the enemy has brought to me 
as a result of my actions and words. Lies about myself, lies about my relationships, my view of men and women, or God. I forgive them for what they've caused. I forgive them for bringing fear into my life. And I forgive them for opening any doors. And then you can just name the doors in your heart, whatever it is. Maybe it opened up a door to uh, pornography. Maybe it opened up a door to, um, to shame. Maybe it opened up a door to stepping into some other type of addiction or anger. Um, And then I forgive them for the lack of. So this, this might be a step that you don't have or it might be a step that you have. You know, if it's a, a parent or someone who should have given you something, a spouse, but they didn't. And then forgive, I forgive them for the struggle and the pain and the suffering that has been in my life as a result of what they've done. This is a really significant step in the process of forgiveness. Because you're not just saying an example. Let's say an example. I was, um, like, this is just an example. I was sexually molested as a child. And I um, was abused. And... My, I've worked so hard to forgive this offender in my life. But what I never realized is that I actually need to forgive that offender for the issue that I have a problem connecting with my husband sexually, the damage that it's caused, the repercussions that have caused, that have happened because of that. And that is, that's where this forgiveness comes in. It's, it's I forgive you, for the damage that's happened, for the struggle that's going on in my life now as a result of those actions. And then, this might take a while, you know? This might not be just a boom, 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 boom. This might be deep. And even with yourself, you know? It can be deep and it can be hard. And in that moment, invite the Holy Spirit to give, to give you grace to forgive because forgiveness is empowered by grace. We are empowered to step into the person of who Jesus is by his grace. And so he will release the grace to you to walk through forgiveness because it's in his heart to do. And it's who he is and it's who you are. So then the last step is to pray and bless them. And once you can get to the point where you really can bless them or bless yourself, like can you get to the place where you're like, wow, I bless me. I bless my body. I bless my life to to prosper in this area. I bless my relationships to prosper because I forgive myself for these things that I've done. And I say that I am worthy of love and I'm worthy of a good marriage and I'm worthy of healthy relationships around me. Like it's valuable to speak those things over ourselves as part of this process if you're forgiving yourself. I asked the Holy Spirit while we were preparing, I said, what's the most important thing about forgiveness? Uh, because I've always th thought of forgiveness as uh, you don't forgive because the other person is off the hook. You don't forgive 
because what they did is right. You forgive, you know, to kind of release yourself from this prison of unforgiveness that's not where you're supposed to be. That's kind of the, the thought I've had. And the Holy Spirit told me something that was, like, I didn't even get it for a little bit. I had to process it with him. But when I asked him what the most important thing about forgiveness is, is he said, forgiveness restores us to humility. And therefore, unforgiveness is a haven for pride to develop. We were talking about, we were on our trip yesterday with our, our worship team. They asked us what was the biggest strength and the big, biggest challenge of our marriage and our relationship. And it was like easy. It was like my, the biggest strength is humility when I have it. And the biggest <laughs> challenge is when I don't and I have pride. <laughs> But we have to understand if we're going to value the tool of humility to create health, we have to value what's at stake between choosing forgiveness or choosing unforgiveness. Yeah. So good. Okay. Tool number we're telling two. You, we're going to get practical with you guys. <laughs> is this so, good? Is it good is just to good? get like some practical good? step by okay. step? Okay. Okay. So we're really kind of going to go through some different things. We want to give you guys some tools to help you. This isn't meant for, um, for you to go through all of it here. But the hope is, is that you take it with you and you can apply whatever that tool is that you feel like I need now and I need to use now. So our tool number two for connection is communication. And I think this is something that we hear talked about a lot. And there's so many different aspects of it, and communication is so important. It's the most important thing in a relationship. Um, but the thing that really stuck out to us to impart to you guys and to give you guys regarding communication was and is the, the aspect of listening and active listening. And so if there's nothing else that you remember, <laughs> except for this, in your close relationships, it will be impactful. Um, and it's something that can be practiced in lots of different types of relationships, but specifically in marriage, this is really, really valuable. And it's really valuable in the midst of conflict, and it's really valuable in the midst of having differing opinions, but even in when, when you just want to show the other person that you care about what matters to them and what's important to them. So... Active listening looks like not thinking about what you're going to say next. It looks like not trying to jump ahead and, and have it be about you or, or grabbing a fence on what they're saying. Like, oh, oh, oh they said it like that. They, they don't know. And then all that's going through your mind is, okay, how am I going to prove myself innocent in this moment, <laughs> you know? Um, and so active listening looks like first just giving them your undivided attention. So if I'm giving my undivided attention, I'm saying what you are saying right now is the most important thing to me. I'm actually not going to think about anything else. I'm going to think about what you're telling me. And then in the, in the process of listening, you're listening for what they're saying, but you're also listening for what they're feeling. And this is really helpful for 
I think husbands in the room, sometimes it's, it's helpful to have it be practically laid out. Like, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be trying to understand how you feel. And that's really valuable because if you can relay back to, the, back to your spouse or your significant person what they are feeling and what they are saying to the point where they feel heard and understood, that's like gold right there. Um, so the steps are to listen for what they're saying and feeling, repeat back to them what they're saying and feeling, and include in that conversation the, the feelings that they had. So if Jared comes to me and says, I, oh, here's a good example. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just one look at my eyes. There's, there's this one time. <laughs> we don't argue often about stupid things, but sometimes we do, but... Especially when it comes, we're pretty easygoing, so not much like gets under our skin when it comes to the house and stuff like that. But one day, we were getting ready for a gathering or something at our house, and I was, Jared's like, okay, I'm going to go clean the bathrooms. And we'd lived in our house for about three months, I think. And I was like, great, that's awesome. He goes, where are the cleaning supplies? <laughs> and I was like, you don't know where the cleaning supplies are? <laughs> we were having, we had this moment, this moment of like, I was like, I am so good right now because I am going to clean the toilet and the bathroom and everything. She did not feel, she didn't even need to speak. I knew she did not feel like I was good in that moment. <laughs> All the times I'd clean the toilets were going through my mind like a little checklist. <laughs> so in that moment, you know, that's a good opportunity. This is a, it's a small thing. It's a simple thing. But to practice that, so for him, maybe in that moment, or for me, for him first probably, to say, I am understanding that you are saying that I, you're upset because I don't know where the cleaning supplies are because I haven't cleaned the bathroom before. And that makes you feel like I'm not contributing or something like that. So you would put the words in, and then if it's not right, the other person can come back and correct the situation and say, yeah, actually, I really, I don't feel valued, or I don't feel um, like, some, you know, my time is important, or whatever those things are. And you can have this dialogue, and then it's the other person's turn to respond. So then it goes back and forth, and you have to take the time to stop and listen to what they're saying. So, is everybody getting this? Is this understanding? One of the most dangerous things within conversation, because communication and conversation can be different, is assumption. And the longer you're with somebody and the closer you grow to them in a relationship, the easier it is to assume you know what they're thinking and what they're feeling. But learning to activate this tool of asking them to make sure what yeah. you're th assuming they're thinking is actually what they're thinking or saying this is what I feel like you're saying to make sure you're actually connecting with what's going on inside of them can save you from a lot of repercussions of going on those assumptions that lead you into anyone who's been married for a while. <laughs> this is really valuable. And it's not just, I mean, this, this can be applied to any relationship that you're that you're growing in. If you learn to communicate not as just a way to talk back and forth, 
but a way to understand and a way to clarify what's being thought and what's being felt, then that's going to be the foundation of good communication. Yeah. And there are lots of different tools incorporated in communication. So using I statements and things like that, being able to rightly articulate your need and without using accusation and things like that. But this is what we felt was the most valuable thing to just give. Because if you can nail this down, then... You know, the other things you can kind of work through as long as you're able to hear each other and you're able to listen to each other and really understand each other. And it also diffuses conflict, I think, in a really amazing way. So taking the time to let the other person know that you understand. Okay. Yeah, and this is really hard, you guys. <laughs> this is really hard. In the midst of conflict or challenging situations, it's so hard to learn to turn off the accusation, the protection mechanisms, the blame, because our minds are, you know, before we come to Christ, we have this whole world system of thought patterns. And you know, it says that we have to renew our mind. Well, a lot of times we, we, we renew our mind in the gospel. We know, we know Jesus loves us, we know we're redeemed, we know we're saved. We know the Bible verses, we sing worship songs. There's all this like spiritual renewing of the mind going on. But we don't actually learn to walk with Holy Spirit and say, I need you to renew my mind in how this works in heaven. How this communication, how this relationship realistically works from God's design and perspective. Yeah. And it's tough because the Bible isn't as to the point on some of those things. It's not like you can always just look up a verse and have an answer. You have to actually engage with the Spirit of God to hear the Father to say, this is how I made it to work. And then you have to work to make that yours. Yeah. Does that make sense? Good. Really good. Okay. We're going to move on because we have some really good stuff here. Um, so the next tool that we want to give you is taking your thoughts captive. And we kind of touched a little bit on the foundation for this last week. For those of you that weren't here, one of our keys was identity. And um, that was basically taking God's view of you and making it yours and agreeing with it. And, um, and that is done through taking your thoughts captive. So, uh, or this is a tool that will help you on the journey of establishing right identity. And how many here in this room have ever had a negative thought about yourself enter your head? <laughs> awesome. Me too. <laughs> I'm not alone. No. Um, how many people in this room have had a negative thought about somebody else enter their head? How many people in this room think more negative thoughts about yourself than you do about other people? Um, okay, so how many people know that those thoughts are not from Jesus? <laughs> so um, this is a battlefield. Our minds are literally a battlefield. And if we can win the battle in our minds and take our thoughts captive, then we are able to naturally live out a life of identity in God 
and in wholeness and in health. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For although we live in the natural realm, this is the Passion Translation, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and breaks and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. This is in your Bible. <laughs> we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Doesn't that make you feel powerful? <laughs> it's like... That thought does not have the authority to be in your mind. It can be cast out. It doesn't, it doesn't get to stay if you tell it to leave because you're powerful. But you have to tell it to leave. <laughs> so, um, and then there's that thing with our agreement. We talked about agreement last week when I reviewed identity, and it's our agreement with what am I agreeing to? And if that thought of shame comes in and I say, yep, yeah, that's true, I'm shameful, then I'm empowering that shame in my life. I'm empowering that lie in my life and I'm giving it room to grow. I'm literally feeding it water and allowing it to grow in my life. And it will affect me and it will affect every relationship that I have. So what do we do? It's really important to have a plan. <laughs> a taking that thoughts captive plan because sometimes they're overwhelming, especially in certain situations or seasons of life, something happens and all of a sudden the thoughts become overwhelming. You have to prepare for that before you get there if you want to be successful. I think that the thing that comes up the most when I'm struggling, like when I'm having a hard time, and Jared's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm just having a hard time because the lies are coming so fast that it's so hard to, to grab hold of them before they have a chance to take root in my heart. And it's, it's not, even after you've you recognized these, these tools and you're able to identify the lies as lies like, and not actually adopt them as your identity, that even in that moment, there can still be an overwhelming amount of lies in certain situations that you just feel like this is so exhausting. But the enemy really gets tired, you guys. He's just like, I just want to encourage you in that because I've been in those seasons before and I sometimes I, I have a, a moment or a day or half a day or something. But, but I've had seasons where I just feel like, am I really going to have to keep like taking this authority over this lie over and over and over again. But really, like, when you continue to look to Jesus and you continue to take authority over it, it does leave eventually. So that, that lie that you're unlovable or that lie that, you know, you're not worth, worthy of love or whatever those things are that are you're to this or to that, those do, they do go away eventually when you take authority over them. So, amen. They do. Okay. Um, we're going to give you a plan. 
We're going to give you a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're going to have one when you leave today. And I have to tell you guys, this tool is really hard to use. Anybody who's ever done lamb in here, we've given this tool. Okay. So we love after marriage. It's a marriage group that we do. Which is, but it's more for yourself, but it affects your relationships. Um, so this is really hard to do in the moment because there's a lot of opposition. The enemy does not want you to believe the truth. The enemy does not want you, want to let go of the stronghold in your life. So there's a lot of opposition. So in the moment to actually muster up the ability to speak out loud and take authority over it, there can be a lot of internal resistance. So I'm just like, be prepared for that. Because <laughs> when you feel that resistance, it's all the more reason to just do it. <laughs> to just speak it out. Okay, so the steps to taking your thoughts captive, and this is not only lies, but it's also spirits. So like uh, a spirit of fear or a spirit of shame or a spirit of deception, whatever, there's, um, so they can overlap. You can use them interchangeably in this. So the first step is to nail blank to the cross. So let's say, I believe a lie that I that I'm not um, tall enough. I'm not tall. <laughs> I'm not good enough. I'm not. <laughs> like, right? um, that I'm not. I'm. I'm not talented enough to be your worship leader. Let's say that I'm not talented enough to be your worship leader. There's so many other talented people out there. There's people that are just amazing. And I just believe, and it just comes in my head, and it's like, mm, you're just not, you're not, you don't really have it. So I say, I nail to the cross the lie that I'm not talented enough. And then I break all agreements I've made with the lie that I'm not talented enough, known or unknown. Any agreement I've made with that lie in each moment, I break that agreement, and I repent for joining with that lie. I repent for joining with the lie that I'm not talented enough. And I ask you, Father, to take the lie that I'm not talented enough far away from me. And then this is a really important step. It's, Holy Spirit, what are you going to give me in return? What are you going to give me in place of this lie? Because God isn't, God wants you to know the truth. He doesn't just want to take the lies from you. He wants you to know the truth about who you are and what he's called you into. And these are our offensive weapons that then come out in the moment when these lies come back because they always like to come around the back door and knock on the window or knock on the back door and be like, remember me? <laughs> I'm that one lie that you thought you got rid of, but here I am again. And then that's that offensive weapon that says, actually, God says this. And so listening and hearing the voice of God is really important, which was our first key last week, the Holy Spirit, developing relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to tell you who you are and what the truth is in your life. So why don't everyone just close your eyes, think of a, ask the Holy Spirit to tell you a lie that you're either believing about yourself or something else, or if there's some a spiritual, some a spirit of or something that you've given access, you've given your agreement to. That's not of God. So I want everyone to say, "I." This is important to do out loud, you guys. Shame breaks when you say things out loud. I'm just saying. I nail. 
the fact that I'm not enough, whatever you guys have, say your, say your lie, to the cross. I break all agreements that I've made with the lie that I'm not enough. Say your lie, your thing. Known or unknown. I repent for joining and agreeing with this lie. And I ask you, Father, to take this lie far away from me. Holy Spirit, what are you going to give me in place of this lie? What's the truth? Is anyone able to hear from God on this one? Yeah, he'll always speak, you know? So it's, and his words are the most powerful thing to transform our lives. Like you're talking about, he's the creator. And his words speak and creation happens. So when he says, you're beautiful, you're valued, the creation of that in our spirits and our souls comes to life. I can feel there's some people here that believe the lie they can't hear God. <laughs> Might want to start there. Just nail that nail one that to one. the cross. I'm going to add an element to this that's going to empower it in your life. And that is if you can learn to create community around you that celebrates this process, it's going to empower it to ingrain into the culture of that community. If you can learn to celebrate when you, when Holy Spirit helps you recognize lies from the enemy, and you can speak those out loud to your wife or your husband, or you can go to your kids and say, I'm excited because God showed me that I was believing this about myself and it's not what he thinks about me. He actually thinks this about me. And you're bringing a place of celebration around that process. You activate momentum in the spirit for that thing to not grow but become ingrained into the culture that you're a part of and that you're developing in your home or your community or whatever. That celebration is so important because this can easily become a topic of, you know, the enemy, a lot of times the enemy obviously wants us to believe lies to have strongholds in our life. But he also, if he can't get us to believe them, he wants to wear us down. He wants to bring so many of them that it wears us down and we just can't handle them all. But if we learn that we have a weapon called celebration and we step in with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit and we celebrate with heaven... I believe that when, when we're shown that we're believing a lie and we nail that to the cross and then Holy Spirit tells us something the Father believes about us and we grab onto that with all of our might and we say, this is who I am and I'm going to let this transform me from the inside out. I think heaven is celebrating. Yeah. I think God is up there being like, that's my son. That's my daughter. Look at them. They're doing it. The enemy's pain. And there's that sense of a celebration or being celebrated by the Father. But if you can tap into that and learn how to partner with that, it changes the whole dynamic of what this process looks like.
Awesome. Gets me excited. <laughs> Is that good? You guys can take that one home and you can use it <laughs> whenever you want. So valuable. So our, our, our final tool is reconciliation. And this is one of my favorite tools, honestly. It's so, so powerful, especially for those of us that are married um, because there's just so many opportunities to harbor offense and to, to let that drive the covenant apart, the union apart that God designed for us to be one and together and for each other. So this is something that Jared and I use frequently um, when, there's, when issues arise. And it's so powerful. It really, really works um, to just disarm anger or, or offense or frustration. And so it works with friends and it works with kids. It works with kids. It's amazing because we're designed to to experience being understood and known, and then our guards come down. So, um, I want to reiterate the importance of learning to use this as a parent. Because yeah. if you step into a place of humility and learn to reconcile things that you've done wrong to your kids, that's going to show them an amazing side of God, God's humility, mm -hmm. that they won't get any other way. Sorry, it's just, it's so good. Yes. So just as we spoke about in last week, we talked about reconciliation too. We're very passionate about reconciliation. <laughs> and it's actually the ministry that we're called into for Jesus. So this is like who we are meant to walk. This is who we are and who we get to be. So the steps of reconciliation look like Being able to say to the person once, so I'm trying to figure out the best way to reiterate this, but once the offense has been made known, so once the, you've, I've now received from Jared, I'm so hurt, I'm so upset because you did this thing. I want to pull away. That's a good, a good indication that there's something that needs to be reconciled. If you're having the thoughts, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be in the same room as you. I want to roll over to my side of the bed. I want to roll over to my... I want to create separation <laughs> between you right now because of how I'm feeling. That's a good flag that there's an opportunity to learn how to step into reconciliation. Yes. So first, you're going to say, this is what I did wrong. This is what I did to hurt you. The first step is not to justify what you did. In fact, reconciliation has absolutely nothing to do with justifying why someone's been hurt. This, so plainly speaking it out. And then the next step to reconciliation. This is so good, you guys. This is the pain I believe I've put you through because of what I did. And is that true? So you're saying, this is what I did, and this is what I believe you're feeling because of it. This, this step can't be skipped. You have to take the time to recognize what your actions, intentional or not, 
cause the other person to feel. And then this is, this, this is the place right here when this is made known where the, the walls start to crumble down. And those feelings of a hurt and just of being victimized kind of or whatever it is that that feeling is, it starts to come down. Those walls start to come down. And then the third step is to say, this is how I feel, how I feel about putting you through that pain. So now you're identifying that what you've done to them has caused you to feel something. I feel like a good, an example would be good in this place. But, um, and then you're going to express your sincere desire and intention to change the behavior and to not bring the pain into the relationship in the future. And ask the person for forgiveness for the thing that you've done. The first three steps are really the most important steps. It might, like, I mean, they're all important, but there's, there's something about putting yourself in their place and being able to identify the pain and the hurt that you've caused. And our natural instinct is to say, but I didn't mean to. So you shouldn't be hurt. I didn't, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't, that wasn't my intention. And we want to justify it. But it actually does not change the fact that that person was hurt. You know, if Jared was, you know, got caught up in something and we weren't able to get a hold of each other and, and I was worried about him and he didn't, maybe didn't call me until several hours later and there was legitimate reasons why. But I was like, ah, I feel hurt that you didn't care to tell me where you were or what was going on. I mean, this is a simple example. But for him to be like, okay, I didn't call you. I didn't, I didn't let you know where I was. I, I didn't protect you and your heart in this moment. I, I believe that I made you feel scared. I believe that I made you feel worried and unvalued and... Um, and I don't, that hurts my heart that I made you feel that way. It hurts my heart that, that you would be scared. That is not what I want to do. That's not how I want you to feel. I want you to feel loved and valued and protected. And I want you to see with every action that I have towards you, that that's who you are to me, what you mean to me. I want my actions to rightly reflect that. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you were scared. I'm so sorry that you felt like, I didn't care about you. Does that make sense? Like, a really simple example. And in that moment, me, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. As the recipient of that, when someone is able to reflect that back to you, and you're like, I have nothing to be upset about now. Absolutely nothing. And if there was something that needed clarification, like, no, I actually, I didn't feel that way. I felt this way, you know, or this was the, the issue that was going on and different things can come up, but, but there's something about, it just diffuses that, that anger, that hurt, that everything, because you feel understood in the moment. Powerful. Super powerful. <laughs> I think it's really important on this tool to recognize this is not a tool to fix. 
I feel specifically this towards the men, but maybe it's for women too. I just experience it as a man. It's so easy to step into these situations with the mentality of, I broke something, I need to fix it. Tell and that's all that matters. She'll tell me how to fix it so I can do what needs to be done to get this thing fixed. But in this instance, reconciliation is not a tool for fixing. In this situation, it's like the surgeon's tool. And it needs to be used delicately. Because the moment you say, I'm innocent, so therefore I won't validate your feelings, you've just caused way more damage than was there before. And that continues to build momentum. And you hold on to your pride, and you can live the whole rest of your life being completely right that you're innocent and you didn't have intentions to do that or to hurt that or to, to make her or him feel that way. You can live your whole life and stand before God at the end of life and be totally innocent and have lived your whole life disconnected because your pride didn't allow you to take the rap for something that actually wasn't your fault or you didn't intend to do. But Jesus showed us a totally different way. He showed us that connection is worth taking the rap for so that I can validate and that we can grow. And it's interesting because this is, these steps to reconciliation are so profound in relationship. But I encourage you to take this list and walk through with the Father. And understand how sin made him feel. And understand what he had to pay. And tell him that you're sorry. And this thing, reconciliation, when you actually connect with the pain of the Father, the sacrifice of the Father, and he wants to connect with your pain and your confusion. This is where life begins in Jesus. And that's where the ministry of reconciliation brings transformation. It's not just, you know, we give our life to the Lord. We say a prayer. We say, my life is yours. And yes, we have salvation. We get it all. We get heaven. We get Jesus. We get the Holy Spirit. But we can still live our whole life not actually walking through reconciling with our Father. So I just encourage you, take this and walk through the steps. I, up until a year, a year and a half ago or two years, whenever we did Lamb the first time, this was totally new to me. I thought I knew what reconciliation was. I thought I understood the gospel. But this totally rocked my world, not just in our marriage, to understand that reconciliation, reconciliation means you can put on your lips what you've caused the other person. And you can take raps for it to reconnect. And I love what it says that Jesus suffered all things we have suffered so that he can connect with everything we feel. Do you realize that he did that so that he can connect with everything we feel? So there's never any reason that he can't reconcile with us. Isn't that beautiful?